Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. As the Pearl Drive rockets begin their landing pattern, I look to my left at the captain of the small scout vessel, Loki. Captain Pellegrin gives me a thumbs up. We have only enough fuel to land. Interrogate Chief Lab Technician Malcolm Beardley as to the death of his assistant, Davis Dallum, and leave in quick order. Fuel is an economy in spaceflight, even if an investigated death proves to be murder. From the golden age of science fiction to the undiscovered worlds of the future, through time and space, the Mutual Audio Network brings you the original stories of parallel planets and alien adventures. Fire Retro Rockets! My name is Special Ranger Elias Taggart. The following is my report as to the Dallum death incident on the Neptunian moon, Triton. We exited the Loki and Captain Pellegrin walked with me to the main docking station of Triton. Like most outer rim moons, Triton is fully automated. Robots unload spent fuel canisters. Auto belts take raw mined material and space junk that is dumped here to the station's furnace. Everything is burned down to their essences. Triton is a science station mostly, and the two station crew use a wide variety of elements for experimentation. Hey! <laughs> Eternity Ethereals! What? Your pendant, man! That fiery box thing! Ain't that from the turtles? Uh, the Beatamut. Yeah, ain't they from Alpha Centauri? Yeah. It's a cult, right? Some think so. You don't? Captain Pellegrin, you know as well as I do that Earth Central has outlawed any religious or spiritual beliefs. Of course. It's all primitive behavior, man. When humans went to space, we left that all behind. Cults on Earth disappeared on account that science kind of made the whole idea of a god moot. Uh Uh-huh. So what about the turtles? I mean, the Beathamuts. Well, what about them? Ain't they been in space before we were? Oh, by thousands of years. Well, I'll be. A thousand years. He makes you think, don't it? What about? Well, they was in space for like 500 years. (laughs) We was torturing folk for being witches. I guess that's right. So, why'd you wear the symbol? Here's the living pot. Dr. Beardley will be waiting for me through there. We got about 20 minutes before we gotta leave. That long, huh? That's the only window we got for three months. We missed this and we ain't got enough fuel for our next rendezvous. Well, give me a call on the comm link five minutes before, just in case I get into it with the lab chief. You expecting trouble? No. 
His report's pretty straightforward. It looks like his assistant, Dellum, had a heart problem. Happens sometimes in deep space. The human body can act weird for long-term exposure to differing gravities. Well, I'll wait for you back at the Loki. Holler if you need anything. Will do. Hey, Taggart. Yeah? You never said why you wear that flame box symbol on your chain. Oh, you know the regulations requiring people to report deviant behavior to Earth Central? Yeah? See you later. Yeah, well, good luck. You chief lab technician, Malcolm Beardley? What an odd question. Oh, why is it odd? Well, there's only one other living human on this tin can of a station, and you just left him on the ship. Unless they sent more than a pilot? Oh, no. Standard procedure for military bases is to keep possible contamination to a minimum. One pilot and one extraterritorial special ranger. I'm Special Ranger Elias Tiger. Pleased to make your acquaintance. Uh, Please sit down. Have some coffee. Uh, I just made a pot. This'll just take a few minutes. Coffee is one of the few pleasures that remind me of Earth. Uh, You don't have any chocolate, do you? I'll make a note of your request for the next rocket shipment. Mm. Now, if we could just... You don't use a portable computer? Well, I prefer to use pencil and paper for my preliminary notes. You're the special ranger. So, where's the body? Davis? Oh, he's in a container in the bay. Death certificate filled out here on the log tapes. Did Dallum show any signs of sickness? No, he just sort of uh, dropped dead one day. Uh, One day he's alive, next day he's dead, just sort of flicking a light switch. Fascinating, that. Hmm. Uh, what's your work here on Triton? Well, as you know, our work is classified. Well, for the purposes of this investigation, what is the nature of your work? Did you know that at the moment of death, a biological being produces an incredible release of energy? It does? Yes. Previously, it had gone undetected, but Davis had a cat poor thing was sick. I'm not a veterinarian, but it had all the signs of cancer. And Davis decided that the humane thing was to put the little furball out of its misery. He did? Seriously, this coffee is incredible. I mean, the machine is quite extraordinary. the, The station has limited power. Energy is a premium, and I couldn't get it working before, but now... I'm fine, thank you. Uh, as for the cat... Yes, the cat. Well, um, we were in the midst of analyzing various means of energy containment. You know, scanning frequencies uh, hitherto never really considered. Uh, the cat jumped up on the pad, very same pad. See that desk? That one over there. It's the largest flat surface, and Davis, Dr. Dallum, uh, he was scanning. The poor thing got in the way. It was humane, at least. And that was the end of the cat. Like flipping off a switch. But the cat had uses long beyond its existence. I mean, 
as it crossed the beam, it was absorbed by the containment. Davis measured a, a massive release of energy at the very moment the cat uh, perished. What kind of energy? Unknown, really. Um, but it was contained. We, uh, we looked into past uh, similar occurrences. Similar occurrences? Uh, the work of Peck and Corse chiefly among them, but uh, they were replete with religious overtones. What kind of religious overtones? Oh, the typical, you know, cultish mumbo-jumbo. It's hard to get through the religiosity of it all, chakras and the like, but even researchers such as Byrne, Curley, and Hunt and Zimmerman identified two types of energies, veritable and putative. One second, Doctor. Veritable? Those that can be measured in detectable forms. Like what? Oh, the usual suspects. Uh, sound vibrations, visible light, uh, laser beams, and rays from the electromagnetic spectrum. And putative? Those that cannot, or rather, have not until this moment. And you had measured this putative energy from the cat? And contained it. Contained it? How? Well, that was Dallum's mistake. He held the creature's energy for a short time before he accidentally siphoned it off and it dissipated into the ether. Such an energy alone could have powered this station for perhaps a month. How so? The released energy was massive, but it took us a while to identify how to keep it contained. And this was unique to the cat? That was our question. But there was very little information on the subject, you see. Most studies were on the dead and dying. And, well, they had no means to contain such power. But if a biological species on such a tiny genus of feline could provide such energy, imagine the magnitude release of a larger species, like a, a dog or a cow or... A man? Exactly. Think of all the beings that perish on battlefields or through illness or even at the point of natural death. If that released bioenergy could be harnessed and contained... You could use it to provide power? The applications are endless. Imagine rockets that wouldn't require mind-numbing astral calculations to research the tiniest trajectories to make leaps from the solar worlds to home. You believe it could power a rocket? Definitely. Oh, of course, Dallum had his doubts. He was uncomfortable at the thought. Old superstitions die hard, don't you see? Superstitions? Yes. Dallum said that this energy might be proof of something else. What? By the soul, of course. <laughs> Imagine a scientist... In the modern age, worried about some primitive belief of a, an immortal soul. The very concept is ridiculous. Yes, ridiculous. I did my best to persuade him, you see. I see. But he threatened to report what we were doing as immoral, unethical. I understand. 
But the stakes are too high, don't you see? The mines of Kuiper Belt are strangling the economy. Just bringing back the radioactive ore from the outer rims is too costly. The entire human experience in space is threatened. I, I understand your concerns. It was only by pure chance that Dallum passed away. Pure chance? Yes. He had made a terrible error. Perhaps he thought he had turned off the energy containment system, but he was caught in the beam and... Flipped off. <laughs> like a light switch. It was pure chance that... Uh... Uh, a lot of pure chance in your science, Professor Beardley. Mm, well, yes. But uh, like so many others... His sacrifice toward science... What sacrifice? Davis, Dr. Dallum, had proved our theory. Well, so... Why the subsequent release of energy at his passing had been repurposed. Repurposed? Yes. I told you the limitations of this station. Now we have coffee. Big... Coffee machine? Dallum is... is in there? Oh, don't be obtuse, Special Ranger. Dr. Dallum is dead. He's passed away. This is just... surplus energy. Surplus? Enough to power the coffee maker for almost ten years. Beardley? Just imagine how something so small could... Ready to go, Ranger? Fired up, Captain Pellegrin. Hey, what's that you got under your arm? We're going to need to change course. We ain't heading back to Earth Central? Oh, we will. But uh, we'll have to make a close pass to the sun first. Why's that? Gotta drop this thing off. You dropping that off into the sun? Yes. And this little excursion stays off the books. You're the boss. I'll just have to make some calculations. Energy ain't free, you know. No, it isn't. <laughs> it looks like a coffee maker. It does. You gonna have us change course just to drop a coffee maker into the sun? Yeah, that's about the size of it. <laughs> what about the professor? Sadly, uh, no one was alive. Radiation leak. Damaged even their tapes and notes. I guess we'll never find out what happened. They'll have to send new scientists, I guess. Or in the meantime, I'm recommending it to be retrofitted for refining from the Kuiper Belt. If they bring in the ore here, manufacturing can produce the fuel, and we can change Triton into a gas pump. Yeah, seems like a lot of effort. you think they'd come up with a cheaper way to power rockets. Some science just can't break natural laws. Eh, I guess not. Hey, where can I get one of those flame box symbols? This? Oh, you have to be able to spend some time with the Beathamut. Uh, learn their ways somewhat. Yeah? Well, I'm a born spacer. Couldn't imagine staying off the Loki for long. Uh, interesting people. Do you know they believe that the soul is undying and sacred? 
Is that what they mean by eternity ethereals? Yeah, that's a translation from their language. It means all beings in the universe have a responsibility for not just our own souls, but to protect the souls of others. <laughs> oh, come on. Primitive peoples. What you gonna do, huh? <laughs> uh, Loki rocket ready for liftoff. Stand by. Yep. Primitive peoples. Standing by. Retro rockets online. Firing me. The responsibility of all living souls making their way across the ebon curtain of night on their way home. Retro Rockets is an anthology series based on the explorations of science fiction from the Golden Age for a new audience. Spirit Drive was written and directed by Jack J. Ward, starring Jeff Billard as Captain Pellegrin, Tom Conkle as Professor Beardley, and with Joe Stofko as Special Ranger Taggart. This episode was produced by John Bell. I am your host, Lothar Tupper. Good night. Hey, Billy, why do you look so down? Aw, oh, Dad, I got a computer, a PlayStation, and a barn full of iguanas, and I'm still bored. <sighs> Gee, Billy, when I was your age, I would read lots of stories in pulp magazines. Oh, with stories of weird adventure and fantasy, horror, satire, and lots of action. Wow, that sounds great, Dad. Yeah, I sure wish there was something like that right now. <laughs> there is Daddy-O! Who are you? I'm Dr. Mary Von Roxbrocket, host of the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, and now there's... Yeah? Twisted Pulp Magazine! <laughs> What's that, Doctor? Why, it is a return to greatness! Available on all your digital devices! That is what it is! Look! Exciting and, dare I say it, very unwholesome. You definitely have that right, my good man. Ha <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Mary. My pleasure, Billy. And just between you and me, I am not sure that this man is really your father. Bye. Dad? Uh, just read your Twisted Pulp magazine, Billy. Twisted Pulp magazine, available in dark alleyways behind meth labs everywhere or at digitalvaudeville.com that is d-i-g-i-t-a-l-v-a-u-d-e-v-i-l-l-e dot com